0: And welcome, Cam Bowie. I hope I'm saying your last name correctly. Please correct me if I'm wrong. You are. Um, You got it. (laughs) So Cam Bowie is a keyboardist, songwriter, session musician, and producer from Calgary, Alberta, who draws from a multitude of diverse musical interests. He plays a lot of different instruments, and we're so excited to talk to him today so we can learn more about his role in the industry. So the first thing I wanted to ask you, Cam, was can you give us a background on yourself? What is it that you do in the music industry, and how did you get started?
1: Well, I would say the first part of the question, I am more of a player in the musician, like a keyboardist in the music industry. These, uh, that's kind of like my role in the industry as being a session musician, someone that for hire for a multitude of gigs. Um, and in terms of how I, a background on myself, I originally started playing piano at a really young age because my dad played plays piano. He was the first person to kind of teach me stuff. like kind of like basics of how to read notes and stuff. But I started taking lessons in second grade. So that was like when I first started to really focus on music. Music was always gonna be a hobby for me. It was actually never gonna be my career. I was always gonna go to school and get like a quote unquote real job and always just do music on the side. Um, But then what happened was in grade 12, I played a piano masterclass, a classical piano masterclass for a professor of piano at the University of Ottawa. And he, after the masterclass was done said, so where are you gonna go study music? And I was like, oh, I'm not gonna go study music. I'm gonna go, I've already got all my courses picked at the U of A, I'm taking general science. And uh, he was like, what do you mean you're not gonna study music? And then he convinced me to come instead of going all the way to Edmonton, he convinced me to go all the way to Ottawa, which was way farther away because Ottawa had a specific program where you could take science and music kind of joint together. So I started university taking a double major in biochemistry and classical piano performance which is as brutal as it sounds i only <laughs> lasted about uh two i lasted two years i did two years of that program and uh, after that it was like i couldn't uh i just like i couldn't do it anymore i wasn't making any friends in like either department because all the science kids were like that's the kid that only takes science half seriously and all the music kids are like that's the kid that only is here half the time so i was never really like in either of them and also i felt like in my heart, like I had to choose. And I noticed that I just loved all my music classes and I did so well in them. And it was just like, I and I just dreaded going to all the science classes. So I thought that that was a pretty good indicator that I should just switch. And uh, so I switched and uh, did a classical piano degree and went on tour with a band that I used to play in, in university. We toured the country, wrote songs, sang in it, um, and then we ran out of money. So I moved back to my hometown of Calgary, Alberta, and uh, it's, Nice to be here because uh, also in Calgary at that time, the National Music Center had just opened. So there was like a big opportunity for, you know, people to come and, uh, or like musicians, I guess, you know, there's like a lot of opportunity to come home because there was sort of a reason to come home essentially. <laughs> Hopefully that wasn't too yeah. long-winded of an answer.
0: <laughs> no, it's <laughs> that perfect. <laughs> <Okay>. That was <laughs> On oh, um, music school. I was wondering if you can talk a little bit more about your experience with music school, because I know a lot of musicians, maybe that's not the path that they they choose. Maybe they choose to skip that and just be a working musician. But in your experience, do you think it was something that was key to your career or do you think it's something that was crucial? What was your
1: I would say that music school for me was definitely key to where I I'd say it's definitely key to where I am now because it gave me a lot of skills that translate, you know, into like professional music, professional skills that I kind of use, you know, on a daily basis. Uh, There are a lot of people obviously that don't go to music school. And I think that that's totally a valid way to go as well. It sort of just depends on what kind of musician you want to be sort of in your career. Um, There are a lot of technical skills in terms of communicating with other musicians and writing music and like arranging it and kind of leading a band that uh, I really learned from music school. But at the same time, you know, there's like a cost and then there's also the cost of like time. Like I delayed, uh, it took me five years because I did a double degree. I delayed my kind of entrance into the industry by five years, essentially. But for me, I think it was definitely worth it. I always recommend people who are thinking about music as a career to take a music degree um, just because it gets you like right in the middle of it like you're with all these kids all these other kids and professors that are you know music is their life and there are a lot of people in my kind of program with me who figured out quick just by going to music school kind of like what it takes to have a life in music or a career in music and uh being especially in a classical program it was kind of like highly demanding and uh uh, so there were a lot of people that really figured out quickly or not if that was what they wanted to do or if they just wanted to keep music as more of like a side hobby so Mm
2: -hmm. uh let's talk classical music a little bit one because i've heard you play and you're incredible Mm -hmm. but also a lot of you well, I mean, you did an entire performance degree. You are incredible. Um, so a lot of people do start um, in classical, and classical piano a lot. Um, but the kind of dedication it takes to get through all of those grades and then to be able to do an entire post-secondary performance degree is insane. Um, But I noticed in your bio and kind of in everywhere else, you don't even mention classical music as part of the genres of music that you play. So I'm wondering, um, why did you decide not really to pursue classical music in your like after school profession or are you? And I just don't know.
1: (laughs) It's actually a really like kind of interesting question because I like classical music was my first love. That was like the first genre of music that really like drew me in. Uh, I was like a total anomaly because I never hated my classical piano lessons growing up. Like I always wanted to go every week and I always practiced. I just, it was the best. Um, I feel like I gravitated away from it because making classical music specifically a career is Uh, very different than making other genres of music a career. Um, Especially like me as a piano player, it can be easier to make a a, a career out of classical music, but it means a lot of like accompanying violin recitals or accompanying vocal recitals or like a lot of basically like being an accompanist. And I didn't necessarily want to accompany classical. uh, Well, like I didn't necessarily want to accompany, you know, classical music all the time. I wanted to play it and perform it. But I think the m- biggest deciding factor was the amount of time it takes per piece to perfect it. Mm. So a timeline for like a classical performance is like year a year in advance. Like you learn all of your stuff a y- like a year in advance. And that's even kind of a tight time schedule pretty much. So um, I remember my... First teacher here in Calgary. I had him for uh, all of from grade two all the way to grade twelve. He would plan his concerts about a year and a half in in advance. He'd say, "I'll have I'm picking these pieces because it's going to take me a year and a half to learn them, and then I'll perform them, you know, next year." So, sort of, it's like the volume of music you have to learn in classical is a huge, you know, impedance or uh, to basically having like a successful career. That's why a lot of professional players. They learn, you know, you hear about all these stories about these 14 year olds that can play all of Chopin's etudes before the time they're 14. And the truth is, is that you kind of have to have all that music under your belt before you're 14, because by the time you're 25, you've been playing these pieces for 10 years live already. And so I just didn't like I was good, but I wasn't good enough to have a full on. Like classical career. However, I still practice classical music quite a bit. It's actually the main thing I've been practicing in quarantine here. It's been mm-hmm. kind of nice actually, because I don't get any time to practice that stuff. Like when I'm quote unquote, like busy and working and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, classical music is definitely always a part of me and a part of like my heart and the way I like to play. But I like to keep it really as like an enjoyment for myself and also to keep the technical facility. I find that it really helps for other genres as well.
2: Okay, so um, not every classical pianist can play other genres outside of classical music. So can you tell us a little bit about when and how you got into playing pop and jazz piano?
1: For sure. I have always been really interested in all types of music. Um, I was playing in a band in high school, playing in a band in junior high. Uh, but I never wanted to be a keyboard player. I was actually like so mad at my parents for making me a piano player because I wanted to be cool. I wanted to play the guitar. I wanted to be like standing up, playing an instrument and being able to move as opposed to sitting down and like playing and being stuck in one spot. Uh, So I always, so I started to try to learn the guitar and uh, I kind of just basically, I never really got that good. Like I'm still not that great at it, but it was really just like, starting to learn and find notes on another instrument that really got me thinking about other genres and uh, I don't know I just always had a I was drawn not just to classical music but I wanted to play everything and that kind of had this mentality when I was a kid that if I heard a new type of it uh, uh, I heard a new type of music, my brain just went, I have to learn how to play that because what if somebody asks me to play that one day? Like it was just this weird tick that I had. So I'd, all, I'd figure out songs on the piano or try to like mimic stuff because I always... Uh, I don't, it's going to sound really bad, but I, I was like, I kind of wanted to be like, I was a quiet kid, but I, my piano was like the thing I could show off. And I wanted to be able to show off that if anybody asked me to play something, like I could do it. That was kind of like my main thing. So I started to get into it really like in high school. And then I played jazz in the jazz band. Um, I did play, um, I wrote like some songs and played Uh, them for my friends, but it really wasn't until university when I really started to branch out because I liked classical music, but it's like my brain is so restless that I'm always looking for something else. I'm always looking for like the next thing to learn or the next style to like mimic. And uh, yeah, so there was a lot of extracurricular bands to my classical music education in university.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, that's very interesting. I, I also wanted to ask you a little bit about I've seen you play live and um, it's not like you can bring a whole piano on the stage. So can we talk maybe a little bit about <laughs> there's there's pianos and there's keyboards and then there's synthesizers. So maybe for our audience, what are the what is the difference between those two instruments and how do you use those in a live setting? Maybe you can talk about what your live setup looks like
1: for sure. Well, as you can see, I have a wide variety of instruments. The reason that you need so many is because they all do different things. That's what I tell myself anyway, to try to, you know, (laughs) alleviate, alleviate some of the, the stress of having it all, but. The main difference is if you have a piano, you have an acoustic piano most of the time. And if you don't have an acoustic piano because you can't carry it around everywhere, you want to get a keyboard. Now a keyboard at its most basic form uh, basically has samples loaded into it and mimics the sounds of other instruments. Whereas a synthesizer will synthesize the sounds. So I have some synths that you can start basically with the building blocks of sound the different type of waves and then you can shape and model these sounds into a new you know synthesized sound so there are a couple different synthesizers there's synths that are mono synths; they only play one note at a time and there are polysynths that play chords multiple notes at one time so when I'm playing live um, I like to have a keyboard that has really good, you know, samples of real instruments so that it sounds kind of like I'm playing a keyboard and I can only lug 20 pounds instead of, you know, half a ton. And then I'll have a synth that has to, that strikes a balance between having good lead solo sounds in a monosynth and good accompaniment pad sounds of a polysynth. So I'll usually play my Oberheim, my OB-6 and uh, Nord. I'll usually have a double stack two things. Sometimes I'll have three if I'm feeling ambitious. I'll have like my Moog that has all my solo sounds, my Obi that has all of my big pad kind of jump 80s style sounds, and then my keyboard that will play a lot of, um that will mimic this via the feel of an acoustic instrument.
0: Mm-hmm. I also wanted to ask you a bit about um... Your work now as being a producer, how is your history playing the piano, playing other instruments, knowing a lot about the music theory, the whole music side of it, helped you as a producer?
1: Uh, I think it's helped me quite a bit because the hardest thing about, um, or not the hardest thing, the main thing about being a producer is relying on your intuition of taste and what sounds good. Uh, So in my classical degree, I spent a lot of time listening to instruments, instruments that go well together, instruments that don't go well together and sort of deciphering the reasons as to why those things kind of why it works that way, essentially. So I feel like. And especially with ear training and, you know, like a lot of the ear tests, you know, playback, recall, um, identifying chord textures, all that stuff. There was a lot of things in my classical degree that kind of gave me a head start uh, for uh, production. I didn't really get into it seriously until kind of the pandemic started. Actually, I had a had, um, a project I started just for myself. On instagram where I would produce and upload a beat every single day of the month, so I did 30 days in a row I did a beat and then I went and. Said okay well now i'm going to try to like write a quick little song and produce a song for 30 days in a row, so then I did like 30 days of songs and then now i've been just. Working on using those taking those skills and like working on doing like an album of my own songs which. I've always wanted to release my own album but it's more so just a learning experience of trying to take the process of writing demos all the way to like a mixed product that i can release into the world so i'm a new on I'm, I'm on the newer end of producing but like i'm working really hard at it and trying my best i'm producing hopefully i'm doing kate Stevens' new release and sid hall's new release and um yeah so there's some production stuff coming down the road for sure
2: Ooh, exciting! That's really exciting. I can't wait to hear what you put out, produce, producer-wise.
1: Yeah, it should be coming in the next. Like, I have about a tra- an album that's going to be about nine songs, and uh, I have eight of them pretty much ready to go. The ninth one has wow. like been kind of a puzzle, a puzzle. But uh, so <laughs> it's uh, it's it's on the way for sure. It's coming. <laughs>
2: Yes, dude, excited. Okay, so you mentioned during lockdown that you've been focusing a little bit on practicing um, classical piano, which is awesome. Um, what does the rest of your kind of like practice regime look like maybe um, right now and then pre-lockdown when you were a gigging working professional? and <laughs> You could be.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so for, for me, a lot of people have a really concrete practice routine. I don't, I don't find that I have a super concrete practice routine, uh, but I do like to start, like I like to focus on the technical side of things and try to pay as much attention to detail and the touch of the pieces that I'm learning as I can. So I have some, sort of some quarantine goals. I've been working on three Chopin etudes. I've got two of them almost down and the third one is coming along. Um, but when I sit down in the morning or sit down to practice, I, uh, during, during the pandemic, I'll start with a piece that's like an etude that's really technically difficult, and I'll really warm my fingers up with that, and then I'll jump into whatever I'm working on. So I find that like I don't have a lot of specific warm-ups, but I just like to jump in and just get kind of right to the point. Uh, But I feel like I have uh, the luxury of practicing now because before the pandemic, I feel like I didn't really have time to practice like ever. It felt like all of my practicing was kind of like on the stage. So when I was at home, when I was like practicing, it was always just learning tunes or learning, you know, uh, the tunes for the next gig. So um, I felt like there was enough diversity in what I was learning pre-lockdown that I was always kind of feeling like agile Mm -hmm. Um, but for me the most efficient way to maintain the agility is uh, through classical music and it's also kind of what I love to practice so that's sort of if I don't have a lot of time or if I'm busy like I have to get something done on you know production wise I'll make sure that I at least play a little bit of some like technically complex etudes or something that I'm learning just to kind of like feel it through my fingers Mm -hmm. and uh, that's my kind of my maintenance every day essentially.
2: Okay. And have you taken any kind of lessons post-secondary, like after school? Uh,
1: I have. I had a teacher. Well, after I graduated, I really didn't know essentially what I wanted to like. Musically, I felt like kind of lost because I didn't know I had all this training in classical music, but I didn't have a lot of training in a lot of other genres of music. Mm -hmm. And I knew that I didn't necessarily want to make classical my career. So I was kind of stuck looking for a teacher. Uh, when I moved back to Calgary, I got in touch through some friends with a um, uh, uh, teacher here. Um, his name's Warren. A lot of like music people know him around town. So I started taking lessons from Warren Rowley, who really showed me and opened my eyes up to a lot of world musics. So like a lot of music from around the world, and not even that, just like uh, how to really play like funk music, how to play Latin music, Brazilian sambas, um, you know, Cuban mulancos, all this crazy, all this like crazy stuff that I hadn't even thought of or conceptualized. He made me learn how to play the congas and the bongos and shakers and like all these other instruments. And, uh, I really just like ate it all up. And that's been kind of like, I, I joke that that was totally like my master's education was taken from him because it really rounded out my musical skills. And honestly, I don't think I would have tried the production route if I hadn't have taken with him because he really started getting me thinking about how I can record myself better, how to get better sounds, how to get better tones. And really, I feel like in the back of his mind, he was prepping me for something like a scenario like this, like starting to do more production. So I really, the place that I'm at right now, he's another figure in my life who I like a lot to because he taught me so much of about what I didn't know what you know, you don't, sometimes you don't even know what you don't know. And he taught me like so much of what I didn't know. <laughs> mm. mm-hmm.
0: I also wanted to ask going back a little bit, um, after you kind of went the classical route, and then how how does that apply to being a working musician and working in maybe a band scenario where all of a sudden now you're maybe improvising, writing songs. How do you transfer the classical music to that or the jazz music to that? Because it's probably not like you're playing etudes on stage when. So how how does that work?
1: It's a it is really it's a bit of a mental jump, uh, to be honest, I feel like a lot of classical music is taught in a funny and unusual way. like classical music is the genre where like the written note rules all it's like the thing that's written on the page that's like the way you play it and it's sort of it's like it's the interpretation of the written note and the reason classical music relies on that so much is because it's been around for so much longer than recording has so they didn't have recordings to reference you know you know when when these pieces were being made and played uh so you really had to get good at interpreting the score but now kind of in a post recording world especially for instance like jazz as an example the recorded note is like that's the the be all the reference the be all end all so classical music feels like it's sort of taught in a way that's a little bit archaic now because it it doesn't involve like the recording and the uh, sort of like the reference to the recorded note so really i feel that the jump has to come in imagining that a lot of these classical pieces are supposed to be improvisation in real time. So like you have to take it's like learning how to see these compositions as improvised sort of performances. And then that way you can transfer a lot of the skills and the technique that you have from classical into, you know, the way you think about improvising or when you're playing something improvised. Because you have the technical, if you play all these classical pieces, you have the technical facility to play that stuff. But you have to let your inhibitions go and just kind of work up to the point where you can use that technical facility in the moment. And, uh, you know, just to make stuff happen in the moment. I don't know if that's totally answers your question. I think I may have gone off on yeah. my own little tangent there. <laughs> but in no, a, no, also totally. in an improvised uh, band setting, the other thing that... Uh, classical music did for me that was really good was uh, I took a lot of ensemble classes so learning how to play classical music with other people so like uh, piano and violin and piano and voice and classical music has a very free sense of time and that really requires a lot of uh, ability to follow other people so I find that I can It sounds funny, but you learn how to read other players' body language really well when you're playing classical music. And you can kind of, and people, that's how like violinists will always telegraph what they're going to do with the movement of their body. And uh, I kind of got really good at playing with other people, kind of just like reading them on stage. So that was a good skill that I got from classical music, where it's like a lot of other genres it's the internal pulse i mean it's also you know reading people in the room as well but the internal pulse is something you have to add on top of that to uh, you know really play well with other musicians in kind of a modern pop setting
0: yeah i don't know if that makes yeah, sense sure Hopefully it does <laughs> and then on top of that how do you find musicians to collaborate with especially i guess in, in your role as a keyboardist what has your been been your experience and what What has worked the best for you?
1: Um, My biggest advice for anybody would be to show up. That's like the biggest thing. I mean, right now it's really hard because there's nothing going on. But uh, that was what I did when I first moved back to town. To get into the scene was I treated it like it was a job where every night I would pick something to go to and just be there and try to like meet people and hang out with people. And then if they are playing, maybe I'll like join in. But really, I feel like being there and being excited to be there is probably the biggest thing that will help you like, you know, that's like the biggest tool you have Um, the uh, the advice I've been given before is the three A's, the availability, the affability and the ability within that order. So you have to be available. You have to show up. You have to be affable. You have to get along with people. And then thirdly, the ability will come. Because if, if you're willing to work and you're willing to show up, then the ability will follow.
0: Yeah, for sure.
2: That's mm-hmm. good advice. Say, can you say those three A's one more time?
1: Uh, of yeah. Sorry, now I'm all turned around. You have availability, mm-hmm. you have affability, and you have ability in that order.
2: Cool. Um, so I love the way that you broke all of that down and you just gave such a great advice. Um, do you have some specific advice for classical musicians? Like I know you've kind of like gone around it, but if you were just to kind of give them either musical advice or life advice for people that are just maybe young and like focused on classical music, but you know, um, as someone that's in such a broad spectrum of the music industry, genre-wise, what would you say?
1: Uh, don't feel that you're boxed in because you're playing classical music. Uh, there are so many skills that you're learning in class. Like there are so many skills that you learn through classical music that are immensely ap- applicable to a lot of other genres. And yet you, it does, it's not taught in that way or that's, that's not something that comes up often. But if you're focusing on classical music, that training will always help you for, you know, the rest of your musical days. And one of the biggest things that classical gives you is a sense of discipline and how hard you have to work at something in order to get it right. And it's also uh, the perfectionism that comes along with it, because classical music, uh, I can't remember who said it, but there's a famous quote when it's like, Forget about perfectionism, leave that to the classical musicians, (laughs) but it's (laughs) kind of true because there's such a focus on having the perfect performance and that really leads to you to having a lot of discipline when attacking other genres. And I guess that's kind of like I led into it, but that would be the other thing is If you're learning, I would definitely advise you to learn other genres because that also, you know, it goes back and forth that helps you with your playing your classical and uh, whatnot. But if you're learning a new genre, attack it with the same ferocity that you attack your classical pieces. Don't think that just because it's another genre that there's not as many nuances or like history or things to learn or all that kind of like stories behind the music. Um, It's not, it's not just in the one genre that, you know, every genre is an entire world in itself. And uh, classical music really gives you that scope for classical music. But don't forget that that same scope applies to a lot of different other genres as well.
0: Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. And on that note, is there maybe a piece of advice you would give to your past self? Maybe something you would have done differently or wish you would have known as a young artist just starting out?
1: It's an interesting question because it's like, do you mean a young, like, what period of my life? <laughs>
0: mm, any um, period? Yeah, any period. Just a young musician, first maybe getting into the music scene.
1: Hmm. That's, it's tough because I, it's always a tough question. I hate to get philosophical, but it's always like, if you change anything, would I still be the same person that I am today? <laughs> <laughs> but I think that I would probably. I wrestle with this sometimes, too, because I would maybe tell myself that uh, I would go back and tell myself that you don't need to do science because you're going to be a musician. <laughs> but then sometimes I think that I, you know, kind of learned a lot from that experience as well. I would say that maybe I would have taken uh, my own advice that I just gave about giving the seriousness to other genres that i gave to classical music that's probably what i would tell myself because i went through a lot of i went through a long phase of playing jazz and like being just because like i had the chops to play because I, I had the technical facility that i could just run scales and do whatever and i was playing jazz but i wasn't thinking about what i was playing or i wasn't researching why i was playing those notes or researching if there was better notes that i could be playing or thinking about what I was saying with the notes that I was playing, because I hadn't thought that deeply about those genres. So I think that that would be the advice would be just to not kind of brush away genres and think that you can do it just because, you know, because you can kind of like fake it. <laughs> that's what I would tell myself.
0: <laughs> totally. That's some awesome advice. Thank you mm-hmm. so much, Cam, for all of your advice. I think that's going to resonate with our, our, mm-hmm. a young group of musicians for sure. So thank you for this. Yeah. Um,
1: Thanks for having me on.
0: Yay. Thanks for coming. Mm